You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. Welcome to the third and final hour of uh, the Talking Point here on SFM. So it's Wednesday. It's uh, time for the health um, feature. Uh, we're talking um, malaria today. Um, we are revisiting the issue of malaria. It's It puzzles the mind, right, that in 2023, malaria is still the problem that it is in the world. Professor Dian Diaha is director of uh, the University of Pretoria Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control and he says that leadership, innovation, and investments can contribute to eliminating malaria. And he joins us on the line to share his view. It's quite fascinating, Prof, that, you know, in um, 2023, uh, we are nowhere near uh, to getting rid of malaria as we thought we would have at this time. Good morning. Why is that? Good morning, KG, and good morning to the listeners. Yes, um, I think we all underestimated the intelligence of the mosquito. <laughs> right. we need to be very innovative and uh, proactive in addressing many of the challenges that we're facing related to malaria and to get to the stage of malaria elimination. But I must say we're making good progress, especially in South Africa, and that the numbers are really on the decrease and uh, a province like uh, KwaZulu-Natal is already in the pre-elimination phase. But throughout Africa, still a huge problem and uh, too many people dying from malaria. And and the fact that in Africa, in the, in the rest of the African continent, it remains a problem uh, means it's a problem for us too because there's a lot of uh, migration uh, that happens in the African continent from one country to another. And then you have the World Health Organization talking of a global tally, right, that says yes. uh, in 2021, which is a mere two years ago, there were a global number, at least recorded number of cases of 247 million cases in 2021 and deaths, people still dying so much from malaria, a total of 619,000 deaths in 2021. When you say innovation and leadership and investments, uh, Mm. Prof, what are we needing to do, particularly us as South Africa, to innovate, to lead and and to make investments to make sure that we, we nip this thing where it needs to be nipped? I think it's an extremely important question. And we at the University of Pretoria Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control has got a total transdisciplinary approach towards malaria and an integrated, holistic approach. And therefore, we identify one of the areas where we need to build capacity in Africa is about management and leadership skills. We obtained the... Gates Foundation grant, and we're currently um, offering courses to the malaria control program in the elimination eight countries and uh, FADEC countries uh, in terms of malaria-specific management and leadership. And we do it in partnership with our business school, GIPS. Um, we also, for the first time, have got courses uh, simultaneously running in English and Portuguese because um, we know our neighbours, and you've mentioned the, the challenges about cross-border movement, 
Uh, Mozambique and Angola, where there's still a very high incidence of malaria. So we're building capacity in terms of that because decision-making, I think, is critical during uh, a high malaria season. But also the the fact that we need more money, um, you know, the logistics about malaria, because normally it is in rural areas and uh, poverty-stricken areas, and we need to address those challenges mm. and uh, do case investigations, you know, within the shortest possible time. And that requires funding. Yeah. And, and then, though, we, you know, we, we find ourselves as Africa uh, with, you know, a challenge of environmental conditions and, and, and uh, that because our environmental conditions make this a perfect place for malaria. We have high temperatures. We have humidity. We have high levels of rainfall. How do we navigate that, those environmental challenges? Absolutely. And uh, um, Mozambique, I think, is a good example. So if we look at the number of cases in Mpumalanga, most of the cases are imported from there. Now, once again, from the University of Pretoria point of view, we've got a program, um, RESMARCA, Remote Sensing for Malaria Control in Africa, where we collaborate with the French National Space Agency, the South African Weather Services, we will look at climate, climate change, cross-border movement, the vector, in other words, the mosquito, as well as the parasite, and try and identify these hotspots and be proactive and uh, develop early warning systems to prepare us uh, for these um, increase in cases due to weather conditions. Yeah, the the one thing that does make me sad, and 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 that uh, made me think it's more even more important for us to have this conversation is the fact that ninety five percent of all the cases globally of 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 the ninety five percent of the cases that are global, ninety six percent of these deaths occur in Africa. Uh, this at least is recorded from twenty twenty one, and and with this, the majority of them, about eighty percent is children, children under the age of five. What are parents not getting about managing, uh, you know, uh, and dealing with uh, the environment to manage malaria? It is true, and it is very sad. So we always say the ABCD of malaria prevention, and the A stands for awareness. Uh, Be aware of the risk and the symptoms. B is bite prevention. Avoid being bitten by mosquitoes, and that is normally from dusk till dawn. And the C stands for chemoprophylaxis, so we need to take anti-malarial medication as a preventative. And then the D is diagnosis. Early diagnosis and rapid treatment can make a difference. And we need to invest also more in health promotion and education. And therefore, we've got various programs from the University of Pretoria side, for instance, where we've developed and uh, in partnership with uh, Jenny Stone, uh, Sibyl Fights Malaria, uh, a book that we're rolling out in primary schools, because we believe that it's going to be the children that's going to educate the parents eventually. But we need to create more awareness um, about the risks of malaria.
Yeah. So, I mean, let, let, let's talk awareness. Uh, it's transmitted to humans uh, by, is there a particular type of mosquito? What do we even look out for? Yes. Um, um, I mean, these are uh, specific, very specific, and it is the female Anopheles uh, mosquito. It's a life cycle where there's uh, uh, parasites involved. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is that with the um, attempts to control malaria, many of the mosquitoes, the vectors, develop also resistance against the insecticides. But also in the parasites in terms of resistance uh, against the prophylaxis. So these different approaches and different types of uh, compounds used in different geographical areas. Mm. But we need to add more um, innovative ways to that. You know, in some areas, very uh, insecticide-treated bed nets are very popular. In other areas, untreated nets that use more as a barrier, lava siding, in other words, trying to reduce the numbers at the early stage, standing water, you know, there's many things one can do yeah. uh, to reduce this. So, uh, cycle. so I'm going to go to a quick break, Prof, and then when we come back, we talk symptoms, the, you know, the symptoms that uh, people will go through when uh, malaria has read its ugly head with them. We're in conversation with Professor Tian Diaha. Uh, he is director of the University of Pretoria's Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control. Did you know that April 25 was uh, World Malaria? Malaria Day, and uh, we are talking around how we can prevent it uh, so that there's never a need to cure anything. We'll continue our conversation in a short while. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SFM. We are revisiting the issue of uh, malaria, and uh, we're puzzled. It's 2023. Uh, malaria remains a big, big problem in the African continent, and we, we invited Professor Tian Diaha. Uh, Professor Tian is a director of the University of Pretoria's Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control, and uh, he's advocating for leadership and innovation and investment uh, to eliminate mar- malaria in Africa. So, I mean, when... Uh, what are the symptoms? What are the symptoms when uh, you have it, when you uh, possibly have malaria? Kaji, um, we must remember that malaria is uh, preventable and treatable. So the early diagnosis of symptoms is very important, and therefore we need to know what these symptoms are. It starts with flu-like symptoms and uh, with fever, and which will be the most common symptom? Chills, headache, sweats, fatigue, nausea and vomiting, body aches, and this might develop into really feeling sick and it, it, uh, affecting the, the function of the brain eventually, unconsciousness, and that might lead to, to death um, eventually. So uh, it is important that people, when they visited the malaria endemic area and they experience any of these flu-like symptoms, especially with fever, consult with the doctor or health professional. Which ones are the malaria endemic areas in South Africa, Prof? So we've got three malaria endemic provinces, Limpopo province, Mpumalanga and KwaZulu-Natal. 
But what we've seen is um, that in many of the other provinces, example Gauteng and even um, you know Western Cape, we've seen some malaria deaths, but that was due to imported cases. But the endemic areas, Limpopo, Pumulanga, and KwaZulu-Natal. Yeah, and and I suppose what makes it hard is we're going into the winter, and that means we're also going into the flu season, and uh, people might just mistake malaria for normal flu. Absolutely, and with the weather conditions and the, the changes in climate, you know, we might we're seeing that the extended season uh, for malaria. So people must really be careful and. Um, make sure that they consult their health professional and not wait too long uh, should they experience these symptoms. Um, Especially when they visited Limpopo province, um, which is still one of the challenge areas uh, where we see a lot of uh, local cases. Yeah. We we hear also a lot about uh, the use of uh, chemoprophylaxis uh, when in a, a malaria endemic area. Tell us what that is. So that is basically um, what you use to prevent uh, malaria. So that's uh, different types of medication that will be prescribed by your health professional, your travel clinic or your doctor. And that has also got to do with uh, blocking the the parasite of uh, getting into the bloodstream and uh, causing uh, malaria. We do a lot of research at the University of Pretoria on transmission blocking of the parasite, uh, where we try to identify new compounds to break the cycle of the uh, malaria. And we've identified some active compounds that's got the potential, including natural compounds. So there's ongoing research on this, but people must take precautions including prophylaxis, which is the medication, but then also repellent, something that they can buy at uh, the general store um, that would um, keep the mosquitoes away, but also other uh, preventative measures like long sleeves, not try not to be outdoors during dawn and dusk. So when they say early diagnosis uh, and rapid treatment is important, how early should it be diagnosed? Well, as soon as possible. I mean, your chances of survival and early recovery is uh, better the sooner you identify. So I think high-risk cases, in other words, people that travel to malaria endemic areas should always be aware. And when they experience these symptoms, don't wait. Go to your doctor, inform your doctor you've been to a malaria area. Because what we've seen is often people don't necessarily communicate that to the doctor. And then, as you mentioned earlier, they treat it for um, maybe cold or fever and not necessarily realize this person has been exposed to the malaria uh, mosquito, the anopheles. 
So, I mean, what kind of innovation, uh, you know, are you uh, up to there at the University of Pretoria Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control? What kinds of things, uh, you know, uh, are you uh, attempting to do and what kind of funding are you looking to get so that you can be more innovative in the fight against malaria? As I've mentioned earlier, we've got a transdisciplinary uh, approach. So all nine faculties at the University of Pretoria are involved, including our business school. So, for instance, one of the latest uh, uh, outcomes was we had the students in fine art working on malaria and had an exhibition and um, trying to also create awareness about it. We've got people in music um, writing songs and the going to the communities as a way of communicating malaria messages. We've got people in chemical engineering developing new uh, materials um, uh, to try and replace the traditional indoor residual spraying with safer alternatives um, where you embed the active compound in these polyethylene wall linings that's been developed. Um, we've got the uh, People from, as I said, the the, the um, um, remote sensing side, the satellites, where we try to identify specific areas, hotspot areas. Uh, people from plant sciences involved in looking for active compounds, natural compounds against malaria. Mm. Now, all these things are obviously um, they requires money especially when you want to roll it out to the rest of Africa, as we said earlier, where the incidence was still extremely high and help us to, to get to a stage of elimination. Yeah. So we would like it to be a sustainable, safe way and uh, by also educating the people and, as I said, the management and leadership skills that we're currently offering in terms of uh, courses. Okay. Uh, Prof, I want to ask for indulgence. I quickly am going to uh, the news headlines and then there is a listener who has a question and uh, we can respond to it as soon as the news headlines is done. It's 11.30 on SAFM. Kamukhala Teledi standing by with the news headlines. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. We are talking malaria with uh, Professor Tian Diaha. Uh, Prof, we've got a voice note a question, and then we also have a caller. Let's hear the voice note. Good morning, KG. Good morning to your guest. Uh, thanks for your show, and thanks your, for your topic for today on malaria. KG, uh, can you ask your guest, please, uh, in terms of uh, malaria infections, are people from... Uh, malaria areas uh, less at risk of being infected with malaria than the people from outside those areas? That's one question. Uh, also, I would like to think, to suggest, there is very little or if none of, of any, uh, any publicity or information about malaria, KG. And the problem is like very few people knows about malaria. I think the Department of Health should do more in public in, 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 in making people aware of malaria. 
Um, are we are we being made made aware of malaria enough, Prof, as a population? Um, no, I agree. We can do much more in terms of health promotion, education, and also referring to the first part of the question mm-hmm. involving the communities. I think for too long the communities has been excluded in some of the efforts to to fight malaria, and we can learn a lot from them. Yeah. But by also educating them, they can help us to get to our elimination goals. And and so, he, uh, he also hmm. asked if does it affect the people who live in uh, a, a malaria endemic uh, environment more, or is it people that visit that area? No, the in people living in endemic areas are just as uh, exposed and uh, affected as people visiting. The thing is, once they get malaria more often, the symptoms might reduce. So it's a type of uh, um, resistance um, against it, but uh, they're still at risk. They can still die from malaria. Um, So therefore, you'll find that they do things lately like uh, using uh, nets as barriers, They've got certain practices, but I think when we observe the environment, and uh, there's still a lot to be done. We talk about the the, um, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and SDG 3 is specifically focused on health and well-being. But you can't address that in isolation. You need to address poverty. You need to address water quality. You need to address food security. So by addressing housing, sanitation, doing proper surveillance, we will already make a huge impact on the number of malaria cases. Yeah. Uh, Juan in Pal, you have a question. Good morning. Hi, good morning, KG. Good morning to um, the profit. KG, um, my question is, man, have you ever thought why we have all these diseases in Africa? You know, we have Ebola, we have polio, we have HIV, we have malaria, and none of these stuff can be cured. Um, this is actually very strange to me, man, because, and even when the prophet in the beginning of this, this interview that they're working with um, the Gates Foundation, now we all know what Bill Gates has done um, with, with population control. I'm not no conspiracy theorist, but most of the stuff, it can be cured, and, 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 and most of the stuff have been spread via inoculation. I mean, I think it was 2013 or 2014 in the Congo when, with, the, with the Ebola virus outbreak. I don't know if you're aware of this, that a little town in the Congo, the people, the, the Red Cross workers were chased out by the, the villagers there. And um, CNN reported on it, uh, but it was only because of an independent reporter they went in to interview the people there, and they asked, yeah, but these people are coming to inoculate you and helping you. Why are you killing them and chasing them out? And the villagers actually um, said that only the people that got inoculated, they were the ones dying of it. So I think this is, this, not to say that it's a conspiracy, but something is really fishy. Now, Africa's got is the world with the most resources, but still, worldwide, like you said earlier, 95 or 96% of this business happens here in Africa. So we need to connect the dots here. We check how they are making money off it. This is how actually how you displace people um, whenever there's minerals. The West has been doing this for ages. So 
this is a big issue to me. Um, if the prof maybe can help me with this. Or, okay, um, do you want to listen to your re- the response on the on the radio, Juan? Um, gladly, KG. Thanks. Thank you. Prof? Yes, I, I did not catch everything, but I'm going to respond um, to what I've heard is why is Africa specifically high incidence of these, including other diseases. Now, we'll realize that Africa is, uh, occurs mostly or malaria occurs mostly in a poor tropical and subtropical areas in the world. And that is your Africa. I mean, um, if you look at other, you mentioned Ebola, these and other zoonotic diseases, we often refer to the one health approach to many of these things, where the environment is playing a role, the humans are playing a role, and then obviously the animals. Now, in Africa, we've got different carriers for different diseases and different hosts. So I think we fight with uh, much more challenges because of the weather conditions and the poverty, specifically in Africa. And um, um, not because of uh, necessarily uh, something else. Um, Yes, I hope that in a nutshell. Where uh, are we with the development of anti-malaria drugs? Where are we with that? Uh, anti-malaria drugs? With, I mean, there's various anti-malaria drugs available. If you talk specifically um, about um, uh, vaccines for malaria, mm-hmm. there's been new vaccines currently available um, but only aimed at the young children. And it's problematic because they need to get it very often. And it is in areas where, you know, the poverty area where the comeback uh, of these uh, participants or these patients, if you like, um, is not that great. So it's not that effective. I think it's contributing, but it must be seen at this stage as uh, just another tool to combat malaria. But obviously there's other efforts that's ongoing trying to develop uh, malaria vaccines as well. And then the, 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 um, the, what do they call it, the insecticides. I mean, uh, is there no innovation there? Uh, They're trying to find newer or safer insecticides. Yes. Um, As you know, for many years, uh, especially in South Africa, we've been very dependent on the use of DDT. Uh, now, DDT is known as uh, one of the endocrine-disrupting chemicals. It's very persistent in the environment, but it has been very effective in treating uh, or uh, combating malaria. But DDT will not get us to elimination from a control stage. Therefore, there's currently various innovations in terms of new compounds that will be coming on the market. And also, in addition to that, new larvicides um, that is environmentally friendly. And I think the combination of these together with um, the behavior of people where we spoke about education and health promotion um, and various other methods, uh, we can get to a stage of elimination. But we must remember there's various challenges between various geographical areas because of resistance and uh, climate and uh, other variables.
And here's another voice note for you, Prof. Hi, KG. Can you ask your guest whether I go, I go to a malaria area every six or seven weeks. Should I... Is it worse for me to take the prophylactic tablets or what should I be doing? Six to seven weeks traveling to a malaria area, is it worth her taking the prophylaxis? It all depends if it's a a high risk or a low risk uh, area. We would always try to encourage people to take the prophylaxis. But in this case, we sort of a continuous uh, visit. Um, I suggest she uh, visit the travel clinic, maybe to advise in that area. And uh, definitely make sure of repellents and uh, other ways. But um, in most cases, we would recommend um, visitors to a malaria endemic area to take the prophylaxis. Okay, here's Mike in Mafiken. Good morning, Mike. Uh, KG, thank you for taking my call. Sure. KG, I just want to thank the guy who called earlier before, Juan. You know, we must always take these things with a pinch of salt. Wherever Bill Gates is involved, be careful. I don't want to say much, but Professor, you too be careful. Because, KG, let me give you a homework. Read all the going on in the story about the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, all these things. Read about these, those, those, those institutions. And then after you've read everything, join the door and read about climate change. That hoax, so-called climate change, read about it and then you join the door and then you make your decision. Thank you very much. Mike, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think I think people must come on the radio and say what they're saying because I am I I don't have the time to connect the dots. Uh, you, you called and you 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 tell me what you're saying unless you connected Mike's dots, Prof. No. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, climate change is real. There's enough scientific evidence, and I think he referred to um, uh, Bill Gates. Well, um, Bill Gates is definitely not responsible for malaria. Um, it's a competitive call where we applied for um, this um, management and leadership course. It's not difficult to get funding to do these things. And uh, we're very thankful for every funder that helped us in the fight against malaria. Yeah, we're going to leave it here. So, is that do you do you have a website uh, at the uh, Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control where people can go for more information if they want to, Prof? Absolutely, we are at www.malaria.up.ac.za www.malaria at up. Uh, say it again, Prof. I'm going to repeat. <laughs> Please. www.malaria.up.ac.za. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Prof.
Thanks, Katie. Thank, thank you, thank Professor Dian Diacha, Director at the University of Pretoria Institute for Sustainable Malaria Control, wawa.malaria.up.ac.za. That's malaria.up.ac.za. It's 11.45. Don't forget, at uh, 12 o'clock sharp, you will have update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo and later on the Full Circle with Bridget Masinga. Beyond the headlines with Aldrin St. Pierre comes between three and six. Uh, that's our show today. Uh, the producers of the show. Excuse me, I almost choked. I think they want to kill me, these producers, but it's fine. Uh, I'm alive still. The producers of the show are Kanya Bonani and Lebu Musweu. And uh, in a short while, the book reading comes from uh, uh, Dr. Jerimu Fukengwamacheta. The book is called I Am, I Am a Man. It is written and it is narrated by Dr. Jerimu Fukengwamacheta. It's now 11. 46.